Hello and welcome to the Business Standard Morning Show. I am Ruchika Chitravanshi. It is 21st of February 2024 and here are the questions we will be answering today. How can air travelers fly safely in Indian skies? What is next for online gaming after SRO failure? Is it time to be cautious in CPSC stocks? And what is Air Canada's bereavement policy? The aviation landscape is rife with stories of turbulence. Amid news of mergers and acquisitions, the aviation industry also grapples with challenges like weather-induced delays and the collapse of major airlines. The close encounters on the runway are another escalating challenge the sector is facing amid the rising number of operational aircraft in the skies. This was exemplified by a recent incident involving two Indigo planes narrowly avoiding collision at Delhi airport. What is leading to this recurrence and how can these incidents be minimized? Join Abhijit Kumar to dive into the complexities of aviation safety. On November 17, 2023, two A321neo aircraft operated by Indigo experienced a dangerously close proximity event shortly after takeoff from Delhi Airport. The Aircraft Accident Investigation Bureau, in its preliminary report, said at the time of the closest vertical separation, which was 400 feet, the lateral separation was 1.2 nautical miles. According to regulations, to avoid a breach of separation, aircraft in flight must maintain a vertical distance of at least 1,000 feet and a lateral distance of a minimum of 5 nautical miles between them. And this wasn't an isolated incident. In August last year, a collision between two Vistara aircraft at Delhi airport was averted after an air traffic controller allowed them to use the same runway at the same time. Similarly, in January last year, Two Indigo aircraft nearly collided moments after takeoff from Bengaluru Airport. According to reports, more than 400 lives were at stake. There's a lack of updated data on separation breaches. In response to an RTI by a news outlet, the Directorate General of Civil Aviation, or DGCA, said between 2017 till 2021, there were 162 incidents of Airprox incidents. Airprox occurs when pilots or air traffic services perceive that the distance, relative positions and speed of the involved aircraft have reached a point compromising their safety. So, what factors are contributing to these alarming incidents? As traffic increases in limited airspace, okay, there is going to be a reduction in separation. Here you have two people engaged in an activity, the pilot, and the controller. If both are fatigued, right, there is a problem. Now, the controller's job is more stressful than the pilot's job because the controller on his screen has uh, maybe 30, 40 airplanes he's monitoring and he's giving instructions to all of them. Now, the actual problem in India is a great shortage of rated air traffic controllers. As a result of which, duty hours are extended Rest periods are reduced, leading to more fatigue. Now, if you put a controller in a highly congested area on the screen for a longer period of time, he will make mistakes. 
the responsibility for ensuring aviation safety rests with multiple stakeholders, including regulatory authorities, airlines, air traffic control agencies, and pilots. But the question of accountability looms large. Who is responsible for ensuring the safety of passengers and crew in Indian skies? One of the most important things we must understand is that AMS or NIAMS or even a TCAS resolution advisory is a responsibility and the cause of it is both pilots and air traffic control. Now, mm-hmm. air traffic control in India needs to be more cautious so that we can get both aircraft flying towards each other on at least way different altitudes, minimum 3,000 or 5,000 feet. Now, I, I get that we are in a congested airspace and an environment, but certain steps can be taken so that we can avert this. Let's examine global air safety for a perspective. Compared to other nations, India demonstrates notably better performance. Concerns about airspace safety in the United States have risen with around 300 near collisions reported in 2023. The issues cited include understaffed air traffic control and outdated technology, according to a New York Times report. However, in India, experts believe that one primary concern is the increasingly congested airspace, especially due to the rapid expansion of air traffic post-pandemic. In 2023, India's domestic air passenger traffic hit a record high of 152 million passengers, beating the previous record of 144 million passengers in 2019. For 2024, the forecasts show that with a reasonable 10% growth, the domestic air traffic would reach 167 million. And to match this increasing demand, airline operators will receive over 150 aircraft in 2024 to strengthen their fleet. As of December 2023, Indian Airlines had 600 operational aircraft. Low-cost carrier Indigo is expecting to add 60 planes to its fleet this year, while the Air India Group is hoping to add nearly 70, most of which will go to its low-cost subsidiary Air India Express. Akasa Air, which is set for expanding internationally, will add around 16 planes, taking its total fleet size to 38. In a scenario where flight volumes are set to increase, it's imperative to urgently address the risk of near collisions. The question remains, how will this be achieved? The primary objective of safety has to be how effectively air traffic control or rather the route radars plan or space two aircraft from each other. There are already enough onboard safety systems, including TCAS or traffic collision avoidance system, where the system talks to both aircraft and can uh, offer support which is resolution advisory so that you can take different headings and turn or they can automatically communicate with with each other and put one in a in a turn and one on the uh, turn on the other side so that you avoid each other completely so while uh, they are backups in the systems but these backup systems should not be the primary objective of safety. While Indian Airlines experience far less near collision events compared to the US, experts suspect that some of it also has to do with how many of these incidents go unreported here. In the absence of enough data, establishing a pattern in such incidents remains a hard task. But the fact remains, understaffing in air traffic control is leading to employee fatigue and errors.
Vigilance and rectification are crucial, as even a single near-miss incident could lead to a catastrophic aviation disaster. Amid the increasing number of aircraft in Indian skies, it is essential to develop more airports equipped with sufficient passenger and aircraft handling facilities. This should be accompanied by a stringent regulatory framework to address the emerging challenges effectively. Moving on, the union government recently served another blow to the online gaming industry. It rejected the self-regulatory organization proposals of the industry associations. It argued that self-regulation proposals lacked neutrality. This comes at a time when online gaming firms are grappling with cost-cutting measures due to heavy taxation. As the air around online gaming remains uncertain, Shivam Tyagi finds out what is next for the industry after the SRO failure. The gaming industry's self-regulation stint comes to an end. The union government has taken up the reins of regulation now. It will now serve as the regulator for the online gaming sector, replacing the industry-led self-regulatory organization or SRO. The Ministry of Electronics and Information Technology will draft rules for certifying online gaming that involves monetary transactions. As per IT rules, online real money games will require regulatory approval, while those without real money will not need such clearance. Earlier, the government proposed a self-regulatory mechanism for online gaming. However, the proposals it received for SROs remained dominated by gaming firms and their industry associations. Union Minister of State for Electronics and IT Rajiv Chandrasekhar said the centre did not want the SROs to be controlled by the industry, but rather wanted them to be representative of a wider base. This led to the government to reject SRO proposals put forward by various gaming associations. Presently, gaming platforms in India practice some self-regulation. Industry associations have their own charters that govern the members. Members of All India Gaming Federation or AIGF follow its self-regulatory charter and are audited by the All India Skill Gaming Council. These bodies certify the games offered by its members and act as an SRO when the consumer finds no resolution from its members. So how will the SRO failure impact the gaming industry? Now the government has uh, decided that they would uh, regulate the industry by themselves rather than allowing uh, self-regulatory bodies to to regulate the industry and decide who is a game of skill and who's a game of chance and uh, where uh, you know especially where uh, uh, money is involved so technically um, of course it's a setback to the whole industry as such because uh, this would involve more uh, government uh, supervision and regulation and obviously for any industry, whether it's uh, gaming or any other nascent industry, any government interference or regulation uh, means more compliance burden and more cost. And uh, in that sense, uh, obviously uh, is going to push back on innovation and on uh, growth, uh, at least in the short term. However, according to reports, the industry association charters are merely paperwork 
as compliance remains voluntary. For example, the eGaming Federation does not mandate its members to comply with its standards. There are more than 900 online gaming companies in India. AIGF, one of the largest industry bodies, has only around 10% of the industry as its members. Including AIGF members, only 15% of the industry adheres to self-regulation and best practices. For a long period of time, you know, um, games uh, involving money were not allowed. And it was only after a lot of lobbying by the industry, the government uh, reluctantly uh, you know, allowed this, and the courts also gave a favorable decision. So, uh, I think uh, it's fair on the part of the government to now come back and say that the industry bodies that were supposed to be, or the SROs that were supposed to regulate the industry or or run or uh, you know overlook the running of the industry, uh, should have had more wider representation or should have involved more independent experts. And I think that could very well be true where some of the proposals that may have been uh, given by the SROs were more, uh, you know, heavily influenced by the major players who were currently obviously anywhere running industry organizations. Online gaming industry grew at 28% CAGR from FY20 to FY23 to reach 16,428 crore rupees. The industry is expected to grow at 15% CAGR till FY28. However, the share of real money gaming that accounted for 84% of the online gaming market in FY23 may drop to 75% by FY28 due to the recent taxation changes. The imposition of 28% goods and services tax presents a hurdle for the industry, raising operational expenses and eroding profitability. Faced with this, companies are resorting to cost reductions. Some are even shutting down. The government may offer some tax relief after the general elections. This aspect uh, is something that is uh, uh, heavily, um, you know, uh, weighing in on their calculations, and that's why a lot of worried as few of them have shut down the smaller players have shut down. but i think that is a pretty standard process with any industry um, and uh, it's just a sign of uh, gradual uh, growth and uh, maturity because over a period of time uh, you know the bigger players would uh, continue or the stable most stable players will continue uh, some smaller players or fly by night operators would not have the the deep-rooted uh, strength to sustain themselves. And uh, in that sense, uh, uh, yes, uh, in the long run, uh, it might help uh, the industry rather than damage it. But at the same time, uh, I think uh, it there is a chance that the government would do a, a kind of a give and take where the government decides to regulate the industry, but at the same time, give them more uh, leverage as far as the taxation regime is concerned. In the light of taxation troubles and failures of the SRO system, the outlook for industry in the near term is not all bright. So what comes next? And I think the way I look at it is I think in the near term, it's almost uh, inevitable that the government will step in to have uh, their own agency, which would regulate all these real money gaming companies. Now one needs to see the detail matters of detailing as to what that agency will look like, what that composition will be. So I think the devil will lie in detail in terms of how they wish to regulate it. Uh, but it's almost a near certainty that it will be the government that will be stepping in. So in short term, I think that's going to be a major, major development. 
I think it will be important for stakeholders as well as government to engage with each other constructively in a way that uh, the mechanism of regulation through that body does not throw the baby out of the bathwater, is not excessive, is balanced and is reasonable for the industry to flourish. Although regulation will present short-term challenges, it may benefit the sector in the long run. The regulation could enhance the industry's professionalism and image. With government oversight, industry players may also receive tax breaks or incentives in the times to come. Let us now move on to financial markets. Shares of central public sector enterprises have been on a roll in the past four months, with 8 out of 11 nifty CPSE stocks delivering over 55% returns during this period. However, so far in February, the rally seems to be narrower with just one stock doing the heavy lifting. What does this mean for the future prospect? Does this signal caution or will the rally continue unabated? Rex Cano finds out in our next segment. The sharp rally in Nifty CPSE stocks, which has picked momentum since October 2023, has entered into the fourth straight month. The Nifty CPSE index has gained 21% so far in 2024 and is up 9% so far this month. By comparison, the Nifty is up around 2% during the same period. The rally, however, was largely driven by Oil India in February, which has soared over 41%. Among others, ONGC, PowerGrid, Coal India and NBCC have delivered double-digit gains, while Cochin Shipyard and SJVN were down around 7% each. According to VK Vijayakumar of Geojeet Financial Services, the buying interest in the pack can be attributed to recency bias, wherein new investors follow the trend in the market. PSU stocks in general, well, uh, there is something called momentum in the market and uh, the recency bias influences retail investors. Small caps are doing well, they invest in small caps. If the PSUs are doing well, they invest in PSUs. And then, of course, there is a turnaround in the fortunes of uh, public sector companies, Coal India, NTPC, Power Grid. Analysts at Jefferies believe the current rally, which is happening after a decade of underperformance, has more legs. In their India equity strategy note, analysts at the brokerage highlighted that the recent outperformance of CPSE shares led to upgrades in earnings per share and improvement in return on equity. They believe the index is still trading at a 40% discount to Nifty and could see up to 15% rally. That said, analysts at Kotak Institutional Research believe the market is underestimating the downside risks. We find certain assumptions surrounding the medium to long-term growth and profitability of these sectors to be highly optimistic. We doubt much has changed in most sectors, said a Kotak Institutional Equities strategy report. On Wednesday, equity markets will react to cues from the US after they reopen for trading post an extended holiday break. He's making plans for an early retirement. 
बिजनेस स्टैंडर्ड मूविंग ऑन एयर कैनेडा रिसेंटली मेड हेडलाइंस फॉलोइंग अ डिस्प्यूट over the refund policy offered by its chatbot to a customer despite the airline's argument that it should not be held liable for anything its chatbot says the country's civil resolution tribunal upheld the validity of the bereavement travel offer in this segment vasudha mukherjee takes you through air canada's bereavement policy and a context to the recent developments In November 2022, Vancouver resident Jake Moffett booked the flight after the death of his grandmother. He purchased the ticket using the airline's chatbot, which advised him that he could pay the full fare and apply for a bereavement discount later. Days later, Moffett was denied the partial refund by Air Canada due to misinformation provided by the chatbot regarding their bereavement travel policies. Instead, Air Canada offered only a 200 Canadian dollar coupon for future travel which Moffett declined. Dissatisfied with this resolution, Moffett pursued legal action leading to a landmark case in Canada's Civil Resolution Tribunal. Airlines in the United States and Canada may offer bereavement fares to passengers who need to travel because of the imminent death or death of an immediate family member. Discounts under this policy can range from 5 to 25% depending on the airline. Bereavement policies can also differ from airline to airline as this is not a government mandate but part of a social initiative by a company. Over time, many carriers have dropped this option from their policies. To book bereavement travel, Air Canada requires travelers to contact the airlines by phone. During this phone call, customers must provide basic information like name of the dying or deceased family member, the name of the hospital or funeral home, and verify their relationship to the person. Within 7 days after the travel, customers are required to email the airlines with a document of proof of the death or bereavement in the immediate family. Air Canada argued that it should not be held liable for the actions of the chatbot which it deemed a separate legal entity. However, tribunal member Christopher Rivers dismissed this defense, questioning why customers should be expected to double check the information provided by different parts of the airline's website. On 14th February 2024, the tribunal ordered Air Canada to provide a partial refund to Moffett and additional damages to cover interest and tribunal fees. The tribunal's verdict showed the importance of accountability in the digital age, where automated systems like chatbots assume a more prominent role in customer interactions. Air Canada's chatbot support has also been disabled on its website since the ruling. Well that's all we have for you today for more news and analysis please log on to business-standard.com thank you for watching For more news views and updates subscribe to Business Standard on Google Podcast Apple Podcast and Spotify also follow us on YouTube Vimeo Instagram Twitter Facebook and LinkedIn